CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action and the following message is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. Get elite-level trading tools and powerful resources from TD Ameritrade. Trader-made, trader-tested, trader-approved. Hey there, we are live at the Nasdaq market site on this expiration Friday. Guys are getting ready behind me. While they're doing that, here's what's coming up in the show. Tesla shares are on fire. And there's something in the charts that suggests new highs ahead. We'll break it down. Plus, American Express shares are doing something they haven't done in a while. And it could spell more gains ahead. We'll show you how to profit. And shares of the Golden Arches just had their worst week of the year. And you won't believe where some options traders see it going. The action begins right now. All right, let's get to it because while stocks made new highs... Quietly, Tesla shares are on fire. The stock surging 10% this week for its best weekly gain since July of 2016. Tesla's now up more than 75% this year. So is it time to pump the brakes or will it rev even faster? Let's get in the money. Mike, what do you think? Okay, so let's start with a full disclosure. There was a period when I actually said it would be better to buy the car than the stock. That was a big mistake because actually had you bought the stock, you could have then taken some of your profits and bought the car and still had as much left in stock. This is a situation with a big short interest where there's obviously a great deal of enthusiasm for the company. Every single time they make an announcement, it is basically buy the stock on the promise that that offers without much concern about what the execution risk of all of that is. And then finally, from a fundamental perspective, what also I think has helped out is that people thought that the higher end... Model X and Model S price uh, models, that the sales basically for those things were going to drift off, that you were basically going to rely on the Series 3 and Model 3 cars. And that actually hasn't been happening. We did see a 15% uptick there. So, you know, I mean, it's hard to justify it fundamentally in terms of earnings because there aren't any. Right. But the enthusiasm is clearly there. Dan? Yeah, there's a couple of things that Mike just said. I think it's really important, some of the pricing and some of the demand for the Model S and the Model X, the higher-end ones. You know, we, don't, we know that there's not a lot of Model 3 um, supply right now. When we do get some supply there, you may see some cannibalization on the high end. This is not a mass-market car. It's not that $35,000 electric car. Once it's kind of tricked out, it's much more expensive, and you may see people trading down a little bit. The other point Mike talked about was short interest. That's been the killer. When you think about it, with close to 27, 28% short interest. Well, you know what? Elon Musk is the largest shareholder with over 20%. He never sells. He actually buys every time they raise capital. So you have that thing pairing off a little bit. Um, and then the other point he just mentioned about execution. Investors really don't seem to care about missed execution. This is a company that delivered 84,000 cars last year. They announced 47,000 through the first half of this year. It was a slight miss. Investors don't care. The stock's up, like you guys said, 75%. It's really nearly impossible to short this stock. Carter, you say Tesla's run is far from over, so why don't you break down the charts for us? I don't know. Sure, I'm going to go over to the plasma and do just that. There's uh, some interesting things going on in terms of its behavior day to day, but also in the context of um, where it might be headed. I think the most important thing, perhaps, is that we know there was a lot of rotation this week. Big, popular, marquee, super cap names, otherwise known by a popular acronym, among others, all 
um, did poorly this week. So in the Fair past five sessions, take a look at Tesla, and by contradistinction, Netflix, Amazon, Apple, let's keep going, Facebook, Priceline, Google, I mean, it separated itself just recently from these high flyers, all of which have stalled, and I think that's an important tell given where the chart is. So let's look at a chart or two. No drawings, judgments, annotations by me. I would say you could draw the lines this way. And if you do, the implication is, is that it has already begun to break out from this wedge. You could draw the lines this way, and the implications are that it has yet to break out from the flat top, but that's the bet that it will. And in fact, it is preciously close to an all-time high. It needs to move simply 2%, and it will go to an all-time high. I think that's the kind of environment we're in. And remember, all of those other big stocks are sort of doing this over the past few days. I think that's very important. I like Tesla for a breakout, for a move to new highs. Mike, what's your trade? I you know, specifically because I mean, I, I said on a fundamental basis, it's very hard stock to go out and buy. But obviously, the momentum is there. You know, the market hitting highs as it did this week. This thing has a beta of about one and a half. So whatever the market's going to do, this tends to do even more of it. So this is a case that sets up very well for using options because obviously, going out and buying a stock this expensive, you know, whether you're just talking about the absolute share price or the valuation. It's kind of hard to do, but you could buy the November 380, 430 call spread. That $50 wide spread, you could spend $23.60 for the 380s, sell the 430s against it for $760. This gives you the opportunity, number one, to participate in the stock for a lower price than purchasing the underlying shares. And also, given the fact that if we did have some kind of a market pullback, this is certainly going to be vulnerable to that. This gives you the ability to essentially participate on some upside, which it has demonstrated it can deliver for much lower cost buying the stock. Dan, what do you think of Mike's trade? Well, it's an interesting trade because it really is a long stock alternative with limited upside, though, but also limited downside. So it's not the sort of thing, if you expect this stock that's up 75% of the year to make a quick move up another 10 20%, well, you know what? You're, the risk-reward is not fantastic. Do you agree with that, Mike? But if you expect the thing to break out and kind of move towards that higher strike call that you're short in a f sort of gradual manner, then this trade makes a lot of sense. But you're kind of risking one to make one um, for immediate participation to the upside. Well, one of the things I would quickly point out, this is a stock, you know, the, the volatility of the stock is very high. So you, if you're going to sit there and say, okay, I, I think there's a coin toss here where the stock goes higher or lower. You know, I, I took a look. One of the other things you could do is maybe sell a credit put spread. But it turns out the risk reward on that is actually much worse. I mean, it's actually because this thing is moving around so much and also because the share price is so high that for those who are interested in making a bullish bet and are reluctant to reach out and buy the stock, and I could completely understand that, this is a way to get some potential upside without putting too much capital. Carter, final word to you. Final word, relative strength matters, impressive relative strength compared to other high flyers. Now to another group of stocks that have been surging this year, the credit card and mobile payment space. Square up more than 100%. PayPal's up nearly 60%, and MasterCard and Visa both up around 35%. American Express has rallied 17%. And all of these names, with the exception of Amex, hitting new highs this week. Dan, you say there is more room to run. What do you like about the names? Well, one of the things that's really interesting, and I'll let Carter talk about the charts a little bit in American Express, but the consolidation over the last couple of months, I think, is uh, really kind of interesting to me in the mid-80s here. Um, we just had up 
how much those stocks in that group are up on the year. Obviously, American Express has really lagged here. It's only up 17% on the year. The thing that sticks out at me the most is that the Square and the PayPal, you know, massive secular shift towards online payments, peer-to-peer payments, that sort of thing. And obviously, they're taking a bite out of some of what American Express is doing. But I suspect at some point it plays a little catch-up here. That consolidation looks like one, if you look at the five-year chart, looks like one where on a beaten raise, their next identifiable catalyst will be their Q3 earnings in mid-October. I think you have this stock making a move back towards there because of one really important factor. This stock trades at 15 times earnings. Analysts expect earnings to get back up to double digits um, gains next year. And at that point, I think you may see a re-rating in the stock. Those other names that we mentioned, the Visas, the MasterCards, the PayPal, they're all growing their earnings and sales at double digits, and they have very premium multiples for that. So to me, I think that this thing plays some catch-up. Implied volatility, the price of options is very cheap. I think you want to target that earnings event in mid-October. And to me, this is really an easy one. With a vol as low as it is, look out. When the stock was trading today at 86.80, you could buy the October 87.5 calls, pay $1.40 for those. They would break even at 88.90. That's up 2.3% from the current stock price here. And you're risking 1.3% of the stock price. We have a catalyst. We have a good fundamental setup. We have a really good technical setup. And so the play here is if you get the beaten raise, I think you see this stock back up above 90 in the next month or so. Mike, what do you think of that trade? Well, you know, very importantly, I think American Express could barely underdeliver the way they have in the past. They lost all of those affinity relationships, Costco, JetBlue. I actually agree. The space itself is growing. So providing they don't make another mistake like that, I think they could return to double-digit growth. So actually, I kind of like this trade here. Carter? Technically, Dan's got the thing dead to rights. We know that American Express dropped 47% from its peak in 14 to the lows of January of 16, and it is about catch-up. The stock has uh, lagged things like Visa, PayPal, MasterCard. It's obviously much better than Capital One and Discover, but there's a lot of asymmetry here. The consolidation that Dan talked about, the the potential to make it back to the former high uh, from uh, the summer of 14, I like this a lot. Agreement there with you, Dan. Finally, you know, just one last point. I mean, PayPal is a name that's new to a lot of investors. It's got a $75 billion market cap. You know what American Express is? $77 billion. So we have PayPal that trades nearly six times sales. We have American Express that trades 2.3 times sales. I think there's going to be some convergence there, and I want to play it long American Express rather than short PayPal. Got it. All right, we have much more options action still ahead. Here's what else is coming up in the show. Guess which stock in the Dow just had its worst week of the year? And the charts aren't looking much better. We'll tell you how to profit. Plus, calling all options action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at options action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when options action returns. Welcome back to Options Action. I'm Dominic Chu. Some traders out there have been feeding on restaurant stocks this week. Now, we're talking specifically about the QSRs, or quick service restaurants, like Chipotle Mexican Grill. That stock up around 4% so far this week, but still down 17% on a year-to-date basis as it tries to recover from all that negative sentiment around food safety concerns. Shares of Shake Shack also doing pretty well, up around 2 to 3% this week, but still down 11% for the year overall. And then there's Wendy's, which has been serving up hot stuff as of late. 
up a blistering 9% this week, north of 15% in 2017. Now, the downside standout really has been the biggest restaurant company out there. We're talking Mickey D's, which lost nearly 2% this week. But mind you, still up 29% on a year-to-date basis. And according to FactSet, the average analyst target price for the Golden Arches is 9% higher than current levels. So, Michelle, it remains to be seen whether traders are still loving that MCD stock. Back well, over to you. Let's find out, Dom. Thanks very much. McDonald's just posted its worst week of the year. And Carter's over there looking at the charts. Carter, you say the charts are pointing to trouble for the Golden Arches. Break it down for us. Well, just what you started with. Bad action this week. Uh, looks to me as though it's the beginning of more bad action. Let's uh, figure it out. Three lines. You got McDonald's as a three-year chart, and they're pretty straightforward. The big winner... Now, it's important to say this is the Russell 3000 restaurant. It's got things from Popeye's to McDonald's and Starbucks, but um, Red Robin Garden Burger. It goes on and on. Wendy's, anything you want. It's about 30 different stocks. Cheesecake. Store. Restaurants have been a real dud. I mean, that's three years, and you've got nothing to show for it. And in the middle, of course, here is the S&P 500. And what's starting to happen, though, is there's a little bit of life in some of these laggards, uh, as we heard from Dom, and McDonald's is giving way a little bit. So let's try to triangle this. A little more. I'm going to remove the S&P. Uh, we've uh, chart shrunk here, but let's go one more and take a look and see what we've got. Now, this is over the past year, and this is important. What we're starting to see here is, again, that McDonald's is starting to hook down ever so slightly while um, the restaurants are starting to hook up. So I'm going to bet that this is going to continue to happen. Let's go to the day-to-day -day charts and try to figure it out. Here's McDonald's. Here's, I think, the trend line you can draw. And my guess is, is that we're just going to check back, check back, check back to trend. So I want to fade McDonald's here. If I'm long, I want to take profits. And if I'm a short seller, I think you can get a nice uh, 5 to 8% sell-off. You know, one of the reasons this company has been doing so well or had been so far this year was that management really was doing some important things to try to improve their operating results. And specifically, they were doing a lot of refranchising. They were looking to cut $500 million in SGA expense. And actually, they have been well on track and even ahead of track to do that. The problem, though, is that there's also secular headwinds within this space that mean that once you've solved those problems, potential growth out and beyond that it's going to be hard to achieve. Right now, it's trading at about 23 times forward earnings. And I think, at best, that's a reasonable multiple. But you would expect on any kind of a pullback that it's probably fully valued here. So I'm along with Carter here. And we had made bullish bets on this one actually earlier. So I think it probably has come about as far as we could expect it to. I'm looking at the December 155, 145 put spread. That's a $10 wide put spread. Goes all the way up to December. You can spend just two and a half dollars for that. That's a quarter of the distance between the strikes on that spread. Obviously, many things that could impact the market and this company or the restaurant space, consumer discretionary in general, could obviously create this some profits with this put spread. The other thing is it's a relatively small percentage of the current stock price that you're spending to make this bet. Dan, what do you think? Sense. Yeah, so I think if you agree with. Um, with Carter's technical take and you agree with Mike's fundamental take, I think like targeting 150, that check back and maybe a little more makes a lot of sense. But I think it makes sense to do it with defined risk. And I like the fact that Mike's spending two and a half dollars for a $10 wide that gets you through that support. Um, you know, 
I just don't think without a broad market sell-off, you're going to see a stock like this that's been a massive leader, that's had huge upside reactions to beat and raise quarters over the last two years. I don't think it's going to give up a lot of those gains unless we have something specifically fundamental or a broad market sell-off. So to me, I like the risk-reward of the trade, and I like the technical setup. Yeah, I would, I would absolutely agree with that. Look, I mean, we're, lo- we're looking at a $10 potential decline, maybe a little bit more for a $160 stock. So we're really looking for a decline of, you know, 7%, maybe something in that neighborhood, and giving ourselves, you know, nearly 90 days for that to play out. So that's really the idea here, a modest pullback, a modest amount of premium. Carter, what do you think of these trades? I mean, the issue is this. Is there a lot of upside? That's always the thing to figure out. I mean, it's not so much where you think it's going. It's where you think it's not going. It's like in test taking. Eliminate the wrong answer. Is McDonald's really in a position to go meaningfully higher? I would say no. Um, The inference then is that it's going to stall here and or uh, sell off. So that's the bet uh, we're trying to make. All righty, guys. Coming up next, industrial size profits. Co and Carter cleaned up on their bullish Alcoa trade, and they have a way to make even more cash. We're going to give you the details. Plus, got a question for one of the traders? Please send us a tweet at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll read it later in the show. More Options Action right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to look at some of our open trades. Three weeks ago, Co and Carter said Alcoa was the best way to get in on the metal surge. Here are the drawings. And I think you simply put your green arrow and go like that. Want to be long, Alcoa? Bye. So I'm looking out to October. I'm looking specifically at the 41-46 call spread. You can spend about $1.70 for that. Alcoa actually rallying 9% since he made that trade. So, Mike, what do you do now? You know, obviously, we've, we've made some nice profits here. I think they actually peaked on the first when this spread was uh, obviously a little bit higher when the stock rallied through that upper strike. Uh, but I do think that right now the risk-reward is not as favorable as it was. You have to ask yourself, I mean, is the risk that Alcoa is going to take off without me if I take my profits here? Or that there might be some downside risk to the market, which could also take this a little bit lower. My inclination would be to take profits. They've been nice ones. Carter, have you looked at the charts again? Uh, yeah, looking at them all the time. I, uh, I would do the same thing, meaning we've popped from 41 to 45. That's sort of the price objective for the trade. Let's move on. Okay, that same week, Dan said the rally in the home builders was getting a little long in the tooth. It just recently broke down that uptrend, and it broke it, it seems to be a bit of earnings news, which got me looking at the XHB in particular. So today, when the ETF was trading at about 36.50, I could look to October expiration, and I could buy the October 37.36 put spread, paying 25 cents for that, buying one of the October 37 puts at 65 cents, selling one of the October 36 puts at 25 cents. It cost me, the whole spread cost me 25 cents. So the XHB hit a high on Tuesday, but has since pulled back. Dan, what do you do? Well, this trade's a tough one. It's a, basically a bust here. And we talk about these directional trades all the time. I mean, with options, long premium, you got to get a lot of things right. First and foremost, the direction, magnitude of the move, and timing. I got the direction so wrong on this one that it's really going to be hard to make up that ground, even if the stock or the ETF were to come back in in the next couple of weeks. So at this point, you leave it on. It's a bit of a lotto ticket, but it's a bust. Carter, what do you think in terms of the technical? Uh, well, I mean, one thing we know, right, Dan, it didn't make the high, or it made, albeit, a barely a new high. So I think probably if one were to just look at it fresh and new, 
all the things you were thinking are in effect, and there is every possibility that the XHB here and housing in general uh, have downside risk. You know, really quickly, there's not a lot of premium left, so I think there's minimal risk in actually just staying in the trade, and we'll see how it plays out. What about playing within individual names instead of just going with the overall index, Dan? Well, you know, real quickly, MCC, I mean, that's a great question. I was looking at it that week. Lennar had a really bad reaction to numbers that looked okay, you know. And so to me, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to actually look at a $1 wide. I wanted to play a quarter of the width. Option prices were cheap, and then the spread was dollar cheap. So it wasn't a particularly convicted um, bet, but... You know, listen, with the way that sector went back to make new highs, you know, to me, I'm going to kind of take, uh, take my lumps on this one and uh, just kind of take another look. We just did, did have that move in rates, so who knows? Yeah, who knows? Okay, got it. Thanks. Coming up next, tweets and the final call from the options pits. Welcome back to Options Action our next viewer, John Harris, asks, I bought J.P. Morgan September 22nd, 91 calls at 75 cents. What are your thoughts going into Monday? Dan. Yeah, well, here's the one thing. You know, in a few weeks, we're going to have their earnings. We know that they just guided down as far as trading activity. I think you want to extend that call out. If you think it's going to get back up to that recent high of 94 and then maybe back to 100 or to 100 for the first time ever, you probably need a catalyst. That would be earnings that's going to come in the second week of October. Time for the final call. Dan. Uh, yeah, so to me, I think it's interesting, the, the setup and a lot of options here, um, but they are cheap. American Express are cheap. Carter. I want to be long Tesla, and I want to be short McDonald's. Use Mike. December put spreads at McDonald's. Okay, you heard that. Looks like our team has expired. Our time has expired. I'm Michelle Caruso Cabrera. <laughs> See you next week right here. Don't go anywhere. Mad Money is up next. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.